USC's offense through two weeks has looked borderline unstoppable with a massive array of weapons, Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams at the helm. So should we expect it to continue at that sort of level? And is it a surprise that it's happening this early? We'll talk with Mark Colkin of Locked On USC. Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Lockdown Pack 12 I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Conference of Champions, however long it hangs around, which is why, if you haven't already, like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching this show. I appreciate everybody out there who's done so already. We keep inching closer, everybody watching on YouTube, to that 1,000 subscription number. Keep it coming. If it happened before the Saturday, I'd throw a little personal party as well. And uh, I'm throwing a party in my head because we've got Mark Culkin of Locked On at USC who's got that show rocking and rolling. So if you want daily content on uh, the Trojans, then uh, go check him out on YouTube wherever you get your podcasts. But he will be a recurring guest here on the show. Mark, it is uh, great to have you on and great for me to have someone to go back and forth with who who knows USC uh, probably even at a higher level uh, than I do and I, I imagine you liked what, what you've seen so far but it's great to have you on the show thank you good to be here man so so this USC offense has been what's the word humming operating like a fine-tuned machine well-oiled um well-greased. I mean, I don't know how many other car analogies I can uh, come up with here, but it's been firing on all cylinders. Okay, that's the last one. I, I, I promise it's the last one. Are you surprised that it's working this fast? Yes, Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams are the same guys, but Jordan Addison's new. And uh, Terrell Bynum's in there. Brendan Rice is in there. The running backs are, are new. There's so much new there. And the returners from last year on the offensive line are having to learn a new system, and it just looks like it's clicking right away. Are you surprised it's working so fast? You know, I'm not surprised that it's working this fast. I'm surprised that it's working this efficiently. Let me go over USC's first 13 drives on offense this year. Ready for this? Oh, first, hit me. First, first 13. Touchdown, 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 field goal, touchdown, touchdown, punt, touchdown, end of game. We can now go to Stanford. Touchdown, 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 halftime, 35-14 lead. I would say that that is about as good of a start as you could ask for. And I'll pose you the question, like, how, how has this happened so quickly? This is what I expected to see from USC by the end of the year, once everybody got incorporated, understood the system. Like, Is it possible, potentially, that, that we've just kind of underrated Lincoln Riley as a coach? No, I, I, th- this is like the perfect storm within the first two games. Look, you have a really opportunistic defense that has helped out. Yes. Um, a lot. You, you've got some incredible skill position players. You, you have a veteran offensive line that returned. And you've got this super genius of a head coach who just knows how to play call on offense and get guys open. I mean... I, I listened to your to, to, to the Locked On Pac-12 show where you were talking about USC and their offense, and you were rattling off all of, all of the all of the different players, and 
The fact is they haven't even gotten everyone involved yet. So to your, to your original question, I'm not surprised that it's working this fast. I'm surprised that it's working this well this fast. It, it, again, I, I think we'll get a, another test coming up with Fresno. I'm sure we'll get to that shortly. But Stanford, um, last year, they beat USC at the Coliseum 42-28. to 28. They have a one of their probably their best defender returning in Caillou Blue Kelly, who literally destroyed USC last year on his own. He finished the game with a stat line of one tackle. So Lincoln Riley was literally able to scheme him out of the game. He was neutralized. Yeah. And, and the, go ahead. Yeah, I was I was just gonna say he got beat for a long touchdown too by Jordan Addison. And that's part of what we talked about all offseason, you know, when discussing uh, this USC football program is all the transfers that that they've brought in. And Jordan Addison has been prominently featured. That guy looks like he could play in the NFL right now. I think he is ready to play in the NFL right now. But you got Brendan Rice coming from Colorado. You take the buffs. Best weapon. I think their like number five or six receiver was Terrell Bynum, who I've watched at Washington for a couple of years, be a good player in the Pac-12. And is that one of the guys you're alluding to that is just not cracking the rotation right now because of the players like Jordan Addison and Mario Williams who are in front of him? That's exactly what it is. Uh, you know, before the season even started, uh, wide receivers coach um, Dennis Simmons said, "We already have a pretty good idea of what our rotations are. It, the problem is balancing it so everyone can get involved. Um, it, it's a good problem to have. It's you know, it's rich person problems, rich people problems, <laughs> but you deal with it. Uh, I think the bottom line, as long as the team is winning, the players will accept their roles." Uh, you know, we haven't even talked about the running game yet. We took maybe Oregon's best running back, Travis Dye. Um, he he got a 100-yard game on Saturday. I don't know if Caleb Williams wants to take credit or if Lincoln Riley wants to take credit. After the game, they kind of pointed at each other doing the Spider-Man thing. Yeah, you guys made the call at the line. But it was an audible, and he went up the middle untouched for 27 yards against a Stanford defense. Yeah, and it, it's not the same Stanford defenses no. of uh, of the past, to be sure. But it was a, a, certainly a step up from Rice in week one. And I didn't talk about USC a ton after the first week because, well, it was Rice. Like, right. it, you know, same reason I didn't talk about Stanford a lot after week one. One played a type of food, one played a brand of toothpaste. <laughs> that's, not a, that's not a measurable opponent. But at, at the very least, and I think it's a different conversation when you get to USC and uh, ask questions like, so can they get to the college football playoff? Can they run the table? Like that still, I think, is hanging in the balance right now. It's hard to make a, a call on that because it's still early. But the Stanford game to me was a barometer of how they will compare to the Pac-12. Because even if Stanford is not great this year, I, I think from a roster perspective and recruiting standpoint, it's comparable to the sorts of players you're going to see as you get into league play. And the fact that USC wasn't just good in that game, but was almost perfect on on offense as he started a 35 uh, to 14 start in Palo Alto, I think was indicative to the notion that, yeah, OK, this team is going to be fine at the very least against the Pac-12 opponents in, in being able to score points. Yeah, for USC, I think the recipe is really easy for everyone to figure out. You're going to have to score touchdowns and match USC's touchdowns. 
Because if USC's defense, again, they don't have to be great. They just have to be serviceable, good, opportunistic. Give the offense two to three, maybe four extra opportunities than the than the uh, opposition. I, I'm looking at their schedule. There's not a lot of teams that have the offensive firepower to keep up with USC if they stick to that recipe. Notre Dame certainly doesn't. No. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, they're in a world of hurt. Yeah, they they, they are. Utah uh, might be the only one right now. I, I, I agree, and we'll get to USC's top contenders in the Pac-12 and also how you can slow down this offense at all if if anybody is going to be able to. But first, I'll remind you that from cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts, and it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone buys those notorious little things that are niche purchases, I'm sure, you know, gas, groceries, or if you ever dine out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. Download the free Upside app. Use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. So, Mark, this USC offense, and we'll get to their defense here uh, after I ask you, how do you slow them down? I, I like so far from what we've seen, they can run the ball. They've got two good running backs in Austin Jones and uh, Travis Dye, who a season ago was Oregon's basically all-purpose leader in yards on a game-by-game basis, almost right. exclusively. He can be that sort of back. He doesn't need to be in this offense, but he has that sort of capability. Austin Jones... You get out there, watch him run. You go, yep, that's a good power five running back who I could see going for 100 yards in a a given game. You have all these weapons on the perimeter. Caleb Williams at at quarterback. If you were outside the USC football program, say you were the host of, I don't know, Locked on Cougars or or something, and you're you're Jake Dickert, how would you approach trying to slow down this offense? Is there anything you've seen so far that that you look at and go, well, maybe that's that's the direction you'd want to go? Yeah, well, first thing, if you watch the second half of that Stanford game, um, you they didn't do it, but you water down the field, so the wide receivers are slipping and sliding all over the place. Um, you you got to do something, you know, to give yourself an advantage. And they held USC to six points. They were literally outscored fourteen to six in that game. Um, in but, the se- in the second half. In the, just second, in the second half, half, absolutely. Whether that was complacency, it was kind of again. Just a lot of weird things happened on third down. USC had their nine penalties for 100 yards, offensive pass interference penalties. You, you mentioned Brennan Rice. He, they had a touchdown taken off the board. So you get the combination of Pac-12 officiating. You get some weird stuff happening on the field. And you, you, you hope it doesn't happen, you know, key injuries. Um, but I think from a defensive perspective, if, if you want to rattle or get into Caleb's cage, so to speak, you got to pressure him somehow. You got to get there before he has a chance to count to four Mississippi and pick out his receiver downfield. And if he doesn't do that, he's going to take off, you know, for seven to 17 yards in the first down, whatever. It's a hard, it's a hard offensive defend. It really is. I think one, uh, one thing that I thought of going into the Stanford game and a question that, that I had was how are the Cardinal going to try and approach beating USC? Cause when you have an explosive, high-powered octane offense, 
there are two ways to go about it. Number one, you try and exploit the defense and, and just go punch for punch with them. And I think Stanford actually put themselves in a good position to do that. They just couldn't execute in the red zone to save their lives. I mean, it was bad every time they got inside the 20. They looked like they got away from that RPO game. They just were not sure what they wanted to do. And USC's defensive front, to their credit, really held their own against that Stanford offensive line. Probably dominated in the red zone is the better way to look at it. But Stanford was going with with that sort of mindset of, we're going to try and score. We believe that we can exploit USC's defense and, you know, go punch for punch with them. And we'll, you know, turnovers ultimately decide it didn't go Stanford's way. But the other thing that I threw out, and it's very Stanford to be thinking this way. Clearly, they were not because they have a new offensive philosophy with David Shaw. But I've seen him win games like this before against teams that score a bunch of points is to try and play possession. You know, offensively, the best defense sometimes is a good offense. If you put together an eight-minute scoring drive, even if it's just a field goal, that's eight minutes that Caleb Williams and company are sitting on the sideline. Do you think there will be a team on USC schedule that will try to do that? Uh, Yeah, I I think, you know, in two weeks, I think Jonathan Smith is going to try and do that with Oregon State. I think they have the, the offensive philosophy to do that. They're going to try and pound the ball. Um, and USC has shown that might be one of their weaknesses on defense uh, is being able to stop the run. Uh, you know, what Shaw did on Saturday, that pulling out that, you know, RPO mesh, and it, it, they literally took it to three or four seconds because they could. Um, the last time I saw that type of offense that was effective was when Chip Kelly was kind of doing that at Oregon. But when they went up against that Auburn team, they had two monster defensive tackles that literally just blew it up. you got to get a push up the middle, and USC couldn't do that. So that might be one way of neutralizing USC, as you were talking about. you got to have a, you got to be able to control the ball, um, but you got to be able to convert when you get to the red zone. And believe it or not, that's where USC's defense kind of bows up. Um they, that's what they showed against Stanford. They were giving it up between the twenties, but when they had to, they were making plays. Yeah, and that's something I wanted uh, to ask you about. The defense looked like they were exploitable in the run game, as you mentioned. I mean, uh, EJ Smith had a lot of room to operate, and Tanner McKean company didn't seem to have a hard time throughout the course of the game moving the ball down the field. Now, as you mentioned. USC's defense stiffened up, forced some red zone turnovers. They forced a lot of turnovers here in the first couple weeks. They've been very opportunistic. They've been creating uh, a little bit of havoc as well. So they deserve credit in that sense. But I believe they have forced, correct me if I'm wrong, three or more turnovers in each of their first two games. Historically speaking, because McKee had two interceptions and then EJ Smith had the fumble and then Rice... Have have three turnovers, right? USC right now is a plus eight through two games. They lead the country. They're plus eight. Plus eight. Yeah. They've had four in each game. Yeah, four four in each game. I look at that. that Let me put that into quick context for you. This isn't like go ahead. This isn't actually a a new thing. USC did this back in 2020. They had five against Utah. The next week they had three against Wazoo. Oh, and by the way, they were in the conference championship game that year against a team you might know. Didn't end well, but if you look, the USC's not going to get four per game. Right. If they get two per game, 
that's still going to be enough. Yes. Yeah. And that that's the question I have right now is the defense is allowing a lot of yards and they're creating turnovers when they need to. At least that's what we saw against Stanford. I don't think, I know this might be a really hot take, Mark. I don't think they're going to force four turnovers in every game they play this year. I'm going out on a limb. So how can the, yeah, how can the Trojans defense, they they will need to continue to force turnovers, right? Every, every defense does every good team does, but you're not going to be at four. So how can this USC defense get better specifically against the run so that they aren't so reliant on the turnover to stop the other team from scoring? Maybe just maybe making a couple of personnel adjustments, um, moving a couple of guys around, uh, doing it the old fashioned way. You don't need a, you know, a fumble or an interception to turn the ball over. You can do a turnover on downs, get a three out, you know, kind of do something the old fashioned way. Uh, it's it's not for a lack of effort. I look what we saw from Stanford. That was out of the blue. It's kind of like preparing yep. for an I formation all off season, and then all of a sudden someone breaking out the wishbone on you. That's what David Shaw and Stanford did uh, with that RPO mesh. So it took a while for Grinch and the guys to adjust. They still were hitting the wrong gaps. It's look. They're still learning to play with each other. So, if they again, it's a real easy recipe for the for USC this year. Defense get off the field two or three times more than the opposition. The offense is going to do their part. I, I wish I could make it more dramatic than that, but we we see how efficient this offense is in game two. Imagine how efficient it's going to be by game six. Yeah, typically when you have a good coach, you see this in college in the NFL, you play better as the season goes on. I have no reason to suspect that uh, USC will not be in that department this year, even with all the newcomers. But I I feel that way even more so because of how quickly it has worked and and all the the transfers they've been able to to work into the fold there. Let's go around the Pac-12 here a little bit with Mark Culkin, host of Locked On USC. Through two weeks, and it's very early in the season, a lot of drama still to unfold. Just one intra-conference game has been played. That, of course, USC and Stanford over the weekend, a win for the Trojans. What's been the biggest surprise to you so far watching uh, the Conference of Champions for the final two years uh, of course, as as a USC fan, days are days are numbered on uh, on the wall and such, but still here for for the time being. So, what has surprised you the most so far? Yeah, the Pac-10 plus two. Um, I, I think <laughs> I like that. You know, Wazoo going into Camp Randall that kind of impressed me. Um, I don't know if they're that good or if Wisconsin isn't as good as they should be at home. But they made plays when they needed to, and they won it defensively. That's pretty impressive. So I guess maybe that's one surprise. Um, I thought Arizona would show a little bit better at home in week two after their win at San Diego State. Again. I, I, th- I thought they did pretty well. Like That was a game for most of it, and Mississippi State pulled away at the end. You know, it was a little sloppy. Jaden Delore was trying to do too much at multiple, multiple instances yeah. in that game. You just watched him, and you're like, okay, you're a good quarterback, dude, but you don't have Josh Allen's arm. 
You're not as athletic as Michael Vick back there. Like you got to play within the structure of the offense a little bit sometimes, or just be comfortable either taking a loss or, or throwing the ball away. Cause he had a couple interceptions in that one. And both yeah. of them were like, boy, where, where, where are we going there? Arizona to me, was the biggest surprise in week one, but I, I want to go on Washington state. Cause to me, that's the biggest surprise I've seen so far. Like I was, Caught off guard a little bit, pleasantly, uh, of course, by Arizona's win at San Diego State, a team they lost to a year ago. You beat them by 18 on the road. That was huge, huge for Jed Fish and uh, the Wildcats. But Washington State is interesting because I was talking about this uh, on the show yesterday, Mark. We think of them as a team that you know is much different than what they were in the early 2010s when they were just a bottom dweller. They were bad. Then Leach came in. And he just won a lot of games, right? By Washington State standards, he won a lot of football games. And so we think of them as a team that is competitive, respectable, and you can't overlook on your schedule, right? Everybody feels that way. Right. But we used to think of them as a team that, well, you're going to have to score 35 points or more in that one. But I see Jake Dickert instilling his identity on this football team now because of the offense so far with Cam Ward that they thought would be an upgrade from Jaden Delora thus far has not. I mean, the offense has been bad, but they're 2-0 because of that defense. And I think mentally, as Pac-12 football fans, we have to make that adjustment in our minds and say that is a defensively oriented team and that's how they're going to win games. Yeah, you know, do they play Cal this year? I think that's going to be one of the most exciting offensive games. They should, yeah. Nope, they're, yeah, they're both <laughs> And I'm being North. sarcastic because <laughs> yeah. I, whoever scores first might win in that game. But Might be 10-7. Yeah, you know, that Cal-Notre Dame game should be real interesting to watch uh, on Saturday. Yeah, it, it... Is Justin, can Tommy Reese, a young OC, out-scheme... Justin, Justin Wilcox. Wilcox, thank you. Brain fart. See, that's an that's an interesting way of looking at. Because I was thinking about what to put in my in my Pac-12 Prime betting picks, uh, brought to you by Bet Online, of course, for the week. And and I have some ideas. And I was looking at that Cal Notre Dame game, and I was looking at it on uh, on, on Bet Online and and on ESPN because I like seeing where the different lines are. On ESPN, right. it was interesting, which are Caesar's odds. It was twelve and a half for Notre Dame. It came down to ten and a half in like an hour. Right. Which means a bunch of money came in on Cal and moved the line down. And that's you're, you're enticing me to pick Cal this week with the ten and a half. That half point hook could be big because you're right. A young OC and Tommy Reese. A and baby quarterback. A, yeah. An iffy quarterback and a defensive coach and Justin Wilcox, who look as a head coach okay kind of average or whatnot but as a defensive coordinator mark i take him on any team in the country i think he's really sharp here's the thing i think notre dame's gonna win they're at home they're already oh and three under their new head coach (laughs) i mean can you imagine going oh and three this season oh and four in totality with and losing to cal in south you lose to marshall yeah that's i look that's going to be a tough game, but again, I think Notre Dame has enough talent that if they just play harder than Cal, they should win. They they should, yeah. But that that half point hook has uh, has has got my. We'll see where the line is uh, here at. Uh, excuse me, the end of the week because they they fluctuate a little bit, and that's stuff that that I'm always monitoring. You know, when I see like oh like that line is is three and a half. 
if it comes down to three, I'm like, I don't know. I just, that half point, people might, if you're not familiar with how gambling works, that half point hook, it can be massive. Abs- absolutely massive in a game. Let's uh, let, let's close with this today with Mark Colkin of uh, Locked On USC. The Trojans are clearly going to be contenders this year in the Pac-12. I think most people, myself included, thought that going in, but they look a little better than I thought at this point in the season. So it, you as a, a USC fan, who are you most concerned about around the conference going forward? Obviously, Utah's got to be up there, but is there anyone else really that you see as a major obstacle to getting to the Pac-12 championship game in year one under Lincoln Riley? That Oregon State game intrigues me. Um, I I just think Jonathan Smith, is, he doesn't he doesn't coach. He doesn't outcoach himself. He might be a little conservative. He puts a good game plan in for the type of talent that he has, and um, they're at home. Yep. Uh, this will be the last time USC will be playing in that stadium uh, in front of all twenty-five thousand of them. I think it's twenty. Have. I think it might be. It might be twenty-six. But they'll they'll be selling okay. it out for USC. They'll, yeah, it'll be sold out. Um, Utah, obviously, I think they, I, I really think David Shaw kind of wrote the blueprint on an offense to control a game against USC. And Cam Rising is the type of quarterback who can run that type of offense because he's got some wheels and he's big enough that he can absorb some punishment. Um, I don't know if he wants to, but he can. So I, I think those are the two games. And then obviously, you know, you've got UCLA down the road if, they're healthy. Other than that, yeah, they're running game. That's it. Uh, Dorian yeah. Robinson does not scare me as a quarterback. Yeah, I, I think he's you know come a long way. Uh, I, I see it could feel that way. I, I'm a DTR fan personally. I, I I like him, and he will still throw the occasional poor interception. But as USC learned a season ago, he can also torch you over the top when 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 he's given some time and he's got some good weapons. But the thing that all those three teams have in common, Mark, and I'm not surprised to hear you mention them specifically, based on what we've seen so far from USC, those three teams can all run the football really well. I mean, Utah runs the football really well. We know that Oregon State led the league in yards per play a season ago because of how well they ran the football. They've got a good offensive line that that is coming back. And then UCLA yeah. is going to run the ball first and foremost with DTR, whose legs, I imagine, frighten you more than than his arm a little bit. But Zach Charbonnet back there as well. Uh, a quick note, how you feel going into Fresno State this week? I'm considering putting USC into the Pac-12 prime picks this week. They're sitting at like a 12, 13-point favorite at home. If I can get them by Thursday night when I record uh, that particular segment at less than two touchdowns, gosh, I think I'd have to take it, Mark. I think you should. Um, I didn't get to see the game, but this is what jumped out at me when I when I read about the game. So Fresno State, what they got into or, Oregon, yeah, they, Fresno State got into Oregon State's twenty-five yard line seven times. They came away with two touchdowns. You can't do that against USC. No, you, you just can't. I mean, because yeah. USC, I, read, I read off USC's first thirteen offensive series to start this to start the season do you think president state has a defense good enough to stop 70 percent of that 
I can I could not say that with any level of confidence, and I'm 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 gonna go no because I just think about it. Do they have as good of athletes as Stanford does? No, and Stanford couldn't stop them. So I think that if Fresno State's going to pull an upset here, it would be a shootout. But here's what Fresno State has going for them. They're they're you know I I think I mentioned this to you before. They are the proverbial chip on your shoulder team. Pretty yes. much an entire roster is, you know, they dreamed of playing for a USC, UCLA, an Oregon, uh, for a Power 5 team. And they're going, you know, a lot of them are from Southern California. So they're going to play extra hard. Mm. Jeff Tedford is a good head coach. He will come up with a scheme, uh, you know, misdirection here, misdirection there. And they've got enough skilled players that, you know, if USC gets sloppy or complacent, they can create some damage yeah and not throughout and, the entire game no i i don't think throughout the entire game i i think what you could see in that one is fresno state goes blow for blow with them early right remigio the speedster who comes over as a grad transfer from cal mm-hmm. is a good player jake hayner is a good quarterback i like him a lot he performs just fine uh, against the pac-12 i don't think that'll be any different i think what you're going to see in this game punch for punch early and then when Fresno State finally has to punt or settle for a field goal a couple times, I think USC will, will be able to capitalize there. And if that number is under two touchdowns at home, I, I, I think that that's, uh, that might make it in the picks. But you'll just have to wait around and find out. And we'll be waiting around for the next time we get Mark Culkin, host of Locked on USC on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Mark, appreciate the insight on the Trojans. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Let's do this again. We will indeed. I appreciate everyone listening. See you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.